and welcome to Comically Pedantic, where we talk about complicated concepts and characters and history of comic book culture. I'm one of the hosts. My name's Corinne. Usually I'm second in this intro. And uh, joining me on this episode, because I'm taking over, baby, uh, is the wonderful Derek L. Chase. That was <laughs> wonderful. You. you did such a good job. It's like I did theater <laughs> once. <laughs> Uh, Welcome to the show. How you feeling? How you doing? It's been so long. It's been a solid 24 hours since we last spoke. <laughs> I think you and I were both a little delirious um, when we got to the end. I was end. slowly I, I, going insane. Um, because, so we're we're doing part two of our Mark of Cain episode. I was really confident in the beginning because we're recording this a little while after I had read the issues. And I was like, yeah, this will be a breeze. It's like it's one straight through storyline. It'll be fine. And then I slowly descended into madness of how of how just like in depth these issues are. And then equally uh, chaotic, my internet was being a poopy face. So we had to stop. My my guess is because I've I've thought about this the last few times that we've recorded. My guess is we might end up having to do a lot more two parters as we go into. Um, I can see that not, happening. Yeah, some I've I, and there's there is there's a storyline coming up that you and I have already split in two. Yes, and it might end up being a four parter. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> right. originally it was. Okay. It's like crazy long. And I was like, oh, we'll split it up and we'll do we'll do part one and part two. But as we're getting into these, like it's weird because it's simultaneously, I don't think enough happens. And yet there's a bunch of shit that needs to be talked about in the things that like don't yeah. matter as well, much. Well, because we're kind of hitting the point where like the series is starting to be milked. It's starting to feel inflated. And in, so instead of just like focusing on like, here's the story. Is the story written well? Yes, no. Now it's kind of like, what is happening? Why is this particular thing happening? Like it's all of the topics are becoming inflated. So now the time has expanded. <laughs> now, I, I feel like we're at a point too where the you, you're starting to see all of like the cracks you know, I mean, it wasn't like, it's not like it was watertight when they started. Yeah. But, like, I mean, we've, even last episode we talked about with uh, Glenn Greenberg, you know, this is where you can see where the sales department was saying, no, 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 you can't end this storyline. You have to continue I feel it. like from this specific storyline on is where you start to see where the story starts to like show what characters are well-developed and then which ones were clearly just fillers that they now have to finish filling. Yes. I'm really feeling that. And I, especially with the end of this storyline, I really feel that with, um, with Kane and P3PO, which is, if you if you somehow don't know, it's what we've been calling regularly the third Peter Parker that's been introduced to the storyline. I guess before like I fully dive into this again, do you somehow have a bright spot that's developed in the past uh, twenty four hours? <laughs> well, now I feel bad because last time I had I basically had two. 
I so I have a brand new toy for my dog, and that's going to be my bright spot because I think I am more excited about this stupid thing than I think he will be. I think he'll be interested in it, but I think it's adorable. Uh, you and I have already talked yeah. about it because we we had an extended period of talking just about cat toys. I love uh, pet right toys before we started recording so much. There is like I yeah. I like to shop. It's it's not something I'm proud to admit because I. But to me, honestly, though, I am fine with it because shopping for me is just going to a store, touching things, and then putting it back down and not actually buying it. But then eventually yeah. I'll buy some stuff. Something about pet toys and things for my little kitty cat. God, it is so hard to not buy the things. Because <laughs> he's just like like my little baby. And it's like it's a treat for him. It's a gift for something, someone else. It's not for me. <laughs> right. And like, I get excited for seeing... I mean, this is... And <laughs> In general, uh, not just with with pets, but like I really like finding something that someone else enjoys. Yes, uh, I was. Uh, I think Austin got a little mad at me because for Valentine's Day, uh, there was a game she wanted to play, but it wasn't out on anything really except for PS Five. So I bought her a PS Five to then buy her the game. <laughs> she, Austin, texted me. She was like, guess what Derek got me for Valentine's Day? And I was like, oh, did like he take you out for coffee? Like, did he get you like, I don't know. My brain was like, it's something coffee related or like mm-hmm. he's taking you thrifting or like your guys are going to a cool like the sushi spot or whatever. And then she was like, no, a PS5. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> It was my, I, I, I could not think of anything that, like I had a few things that I was like, oh, I'll get it for her, but nothing that I thought that she would enjoy that right. much. Like something that she would be like, oh, that's kind of fun. I, you know, shove it off into the corner right. <laughs> after you're done playing with it for 10 minutes. And then I had something that I knew she wanted this game. So I was like, well, clearly I have to buy the PlayStation now. And, um, I, I played it for about 20 minutes the other day. It's going to... This is definitely a her thing. I yeah. I like... Uh, I like games. I like... I'm way more... I'm very simple when it comes to games. There's a lot of bells and whistles on this. I do not know how to work yeah. it yet. So I'm not even going to bother until there's something I'm excited about that comes out. So this is very right. much a... She gets to play with this as much as she wants, whenever she wants, and I will be in the corner reading a book. <laughs> yeah, I am a Switch Lite person. I don't like playing video games like on the big TV or anything. I just want it in my tiny grubby hands or like it can be on my laptop because I have like, oops, slap in my laptop um, because I have like a Steam account and that's where I got like. That's where oh, yeah, I started yeah. to get back into video games, like in my current adult life, if that's what we're going to call it. So like I have like a mix of either like a handful of things on Steam and then a handful of things on the Switch. And they're all like fairly basic. I attempted to play like um, to play Elden Ring 
and was really like garbaggio at it um so i think that's too complicated but i can do like pokemon scarlet and violet pretty well and i think that's like the <laughs> level of complication i'll keep it at and that's fine but yeah max is much max is the gamer out of the two of us he just actually um steam in in the 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 months of march is doing their like spring sale i guess so the spider-man game is actually i think it was on sale I don't know if he ended up getting it, but he might have. I, we have that on the PlayStation 4. It's a really oh, fun Oh, okay, game. yeah. So they made it for, I guess they got it to work on Steam now. Or for a little yeah. bit they have, and now it's on sale. So he has that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's Now that is a more complicated game. But, exactly. Like, uh, I probably won't be... I would probably fall <laughs> off all the buildings if I tried to swing around, but he's doing well. So that's good. I mean, you and I have talked on this show about, you know, my my love is, like, Sonic the Hedgehog and Super Mario and, like, Spyro the yes. Dragon. I like stuff like that. So I don't really need a PlayStation 5 or anything like that. I was very happy with the Switch. I, yeah, I, that's what I'm sticking. The with. next comes out, I'm happy with that too. I don't need a lot. <laughs> no, same. I really don't like what I've got right now. Good system. I'm sticking with it. It's fine. I'm very content. Do you have a bright spot from yesterday to today? Oh I yeah. Um. What? Who, my okay. So I wake up like before the sun wakes up. Uh, for work. And it's very difficult just because I'm new to the job, so I haven't gotten used to it yet. Um, But one of my favorite things is, like, is the cat will just follow me around all morning and just want to hang out and snuggle with me. And I will just be, like, almost just like a tired old man with their cat and it's so nice i love that very much i'm sitting behind me right now being an extra special good boy um so that was like a nice bright spot and then i made a really nice egg like an avocado toast sandwich for dinner today (laughs) because i didn't know what else to do and it was really good (laughs) so that is my other bright spot I think that's going to be it. Is my cat about to be a dark spot and try and jump on the counter? Yes, he is. He's like, yeah, you're not gonna. Okay, we're good. Everything's fine. But yeah, good, good sandwich. Good mischievous cat. I'm content. (laughs) So I guess we should uh, get started with the remaining two issues of the Mark of Cain. It is the last two. A lot uh, happens. But we're we're gonna get through it because we're tough. So we ended last episode on Spider-Man Fifty Eight, where um, they finally catch up with Mary Jane, who's kidnapped by Kane, and they essentially um, the three Spider-Men attack Kane. Peter Parker, who just escaped prison, grabs his wife and is like, "We got to get out of here," and she's like, "You're right," and um, it ends with OG Peter Parker and Mary Jane being cornered in the sewer with a crazy uh, P-3PO who's just 
once again been rejected by Mary Jane because he gives her another opportunity to be like his wife and she's like no and then on the other side is Kane who is also caught up with them from fighting a scarlet spider so that's literally where it's going to pick up in a spectacular spider-man issue 224 the title is the assassin with my face haha because they're all clones the writer is tom defalco penciler is sal buscema 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 okay like buscemi oh my gosh good for you anchor is bill senkowitz Sinkevich. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anchor yeah, is Bill I, Sinkevich. Colorist is John Calise. Letterer, Clem Robbins. And editors are Eric Fine and Danny Fingeroff. So. You got the. You're continuing your streak of getting. I am. I'm. I'm snapping to myself because I'm now a professional, everybody. I've done an intro now, and I do full credits now. <laughs> now, you and I have talked before about uh, Sal Buscema and Bill Sienkiewicz working together. Yes. It's usually uh, very, it is, it's tough to see. Yes. Um, <laughs> from what I remember about the photo, because I don't have the photos in front of me and it's been a couple of days since I read it. Right. So something happens in this issue, literally in the beginning. So we'll talk about it right now. Basically, as we know, cornering situation, P3PO has progressively throughout this storyline in particular has been getting more uh, quick to violence and very aggressive and angry, a lot of breaking things, things like that. He's been a lot. Uh, the the Leo Aries energy is strong in a not great way, unfortunately. So Eventually, we've kind of are going to see the peak of that because uh, he starts to physically like transform. It's kind of like um, like your classic like Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of thing, where mm-hmm. he's just like he's going straight ugly. He kind of has a person face, kind of an ape man vibe. It's it's werewolfish but still that kind of hide extra violent strong scary hunchback kind of thing so kind of like have you read the league of extraordinary gentlemen i have not but i know that it takes a uh, lot of like um classic literary characters yeah right dr jekyll and mr hyde mr hyde in particular are characters mm-hmm. in in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I was curious if it's something similar to that stuff, but I guess if you haven't read it. So honestly, kind of, you know, like obviously they are going to look a little different, but like the vibes are kind of there. So I think that is a fair comparison. A very long-winded gotcha. way of answering that question. Uh, P3PO is probably a lot hairier though. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. So everybody is shocked to see this transformation um, and is kind of like, what the hell is this? And we learn that the Jackal has created him to be some sort of like monstrous, like spider killer. So just to, right. to kill out all the, the spider men and all the clones, which I don't know seems of character or not because it seemed like, the Jackal really liked 
making clones to confuse. Yeah, I don't know what the plan would be there. And they, they everything fall has apart been anyway. to kind of screw with. Yeah, I don't. Well, especially with how I know where where the clone saga will go. Uh, I don't really. I don't think that makes sense. Unless it's kind of one of the... My other thought was it was one of the situations where, like, remember when they first... (laughs) When they first hiked over to the Catskills and... (laughs) They they took a nice little Yeah, they took a jaunt Uh, over. And um, there was the other kind of, like, monster Spider-Man thing that got killed off pretty... Oh, yeah. The the Guardian. Yeah. So then my, my backup thought was, like, oh, he just did another one of these. And let it get out or something. But I don't know. They don't fully, like, explain. They're just, like, spider killer. All right. So Peter Parker, the one that's not, like, a giant creepy thing, is helping Mary Jane escape. And Scarlet Spider stays behind to fight Kane and now P3P monster. While... This fight is going on. We're going to focus in the sewer for a second. While they're fighting, P-3PO is still, like, saying that he's the real Spider- Like, he's the real Spider-Man. He's the real Peter Parker. And his logic behind this and, like, what he's saying to everybody is basically the Jackal cursed him to be like this until he destroys all of the Jackal's enemies. This is getting kind of sad. And it's like... I'm just it's the, it, the delusion is upsetting. It's very to me. like heartbreaking, but it's also yeah. it's also just kind of ridiculous because it's like it's just so much happening, you know. Yeah, but it is kind of sad. It's like you're just watching someone in delusional denial, and it's it's very bizarre. The Scarlet Spider is still like very confused. By like everything that's just happened in the past two minutes, but he is clearly very confident in who the real Peter Parker is and who he is himself. So everybody's continuing to fight, and um, it kind of starts to become more of like Scarlet Spider's just trying to make sure like nobody fully dies, but like maybe some people are like incapacitated. Kane is very focused on getting rid of a uh, P three PO because. I guess he just sees that as more I mean, eminent danger, sense. which I guess is fair. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's happening. Back at Rikers, we're going to have a quick interlude with Judas and Scryer. Uh, they're waiting for Peter Parker to return. The illusion, so a couple issues ago, one or two issues ago, when Peter breaks out of prison, uh, Judas puts an illusion on like he he basically puts a fake Peter Parker into his cell. That illusion, uh, they're basically saying like, hey, if this can't hold forever, um, are you sure that like Peter Parker is going to come back? He's not like, you know, just like abusing this, this favor, quote unquote, that you gave him. And Judas specific, specifically says, the real Peter will do the right thing. And that's, like, how the scene ends. And you're like, okay. That's interesting. That is a thing. I mean, to, 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 I, I guess 
I like that sentiment, but I also think it's interesting because I feel like Ben Riley would also do the right thing in this situation. Honestly, out of the three, <laughs> I'm still going to count the like the essentially the, the monster. monster of P3PO. Um, those two would, I feel like, at at this point in the story, I feel like they would both make the same decision. We will see how it plays out. It's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like both of them would make that decision. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to go back underground. The Scarlet Spider is struggling. Kane and him are, again, like I said, they're both at this point focusing on trying to get rid of the spider killer. They keep calling him Freakazoid also because it's the 90s, <laughs> by the way. Um, so from now on... That just makes me think of the, the cartoon show. Same. I don't know if you ever saw yes. Freakazoid. Yeah. We're, it was, that was an okay cartoon. I didn't watch it a ton, but I vividly remember like his face because I kept thinking he was in like one of the animated Batman series and then it wasn't. Now you got to look up uh, Madman. There was a there's a lot of Madman in Freakazoid. Oh yeah, I think Madman's cooler. Madman is an interesting book. So I mean, like the style uh, of Madman, I think is is much cooler and neater than Freakazoid. Freakazoid's um, what is it? His proportions really confuse me. And he also just has like the the voice of like I feel like a twelve year old boy, like the voice for Freakazoid does not match the the body in my eyes. So the 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 proportions for Freakazoid are I mean that's a that's a Bruce Tim thing. He's very much a a creation of that time. Bruce Bruce Tim is the one who did like all of the DC. Justice League, Batman, all of those shows. And I love when it comes those. Yeah. I think they fit really well. He has a particular style. And I think over the years it's grown into its own thing. Whereas before, like if you watch the early seasons of the Batman show, it does not look the same as Batman Beyond does. No, it doesn't. It gets way more stylized as it goes right. on. Anyway, back to Spider-Man. <laughs> um, we're underground. They're fighting, prioritizing, trying to get rid of Freakazoid Spider-Killer. Kane is definitely fighting in a more chaotic way because he's like, I don't care if anyone dies. I'm just going to like throw rocks and shit. That kind of checks out. Yeah. So the fighting is intensifying. Because Kane is chaotic, and also because as like punches and rocks are being thrown, they're learning more about like the potential power that P3PO has because he's like growing in size and like stature and everything. As they're fighting, you basically find out that like the Jackal has done more than just turn him into like a really creepy monster. They've he's also made it so that P3PO can quote unquote like recode his DNA. And, like, kind of just, like, morph his body to how he needs to. Okay. Really bizarre. Weirdly, like, a convenient obstacle. But, like, kind of funky. I don't know. Um, I like that idea. That's one of the things that I liked about uh, Shin, Shin Godzilla. 
was that the whole concept of that version of Godzilla was that he's constantly evolving to overcome whatever like obstacles are in his way. That's an interesting concept. Sounds like this was sort of thrown in at the last minute. It did feel kind of like it was thrown in, but now that you kind of mention it in that way, I'm like, oh, well, like maybe that would make sense for a clone to have that because it's like genetic modification and like. So interesting because like we're at a point now where I don't think any of the clones can count as clones because they're all being changed. Yeah. So. Hmm. Well, now I'm back into, I don't know how I feel about it. Here's the thing. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to not like, like, I want to like this, like, issue, this little storyline. But. Right. I don't know. It's just like something is stopping me from, like, being like, all right, hell yeah, this is the time. Um, But we're almost done with issue four and we're almost then going to be done issue five we're moving on above ground we're going to do a whole new scene now mary jane tells uh peter to to go help scarlet spider like she knows her husband she knows that this whole time he has been feeling bad about you know leaving ben riley who's already done so much to help in this like lost cause of a fight, like he know she knows and understands like this overwhelming sense of responsibility that he has towards like other people, and but she also knows that like he would, he doesn't want to do that without her support. So she, before he even can ask, tells her like tells him to to just go do it. And, like, that has been, like, kind of, like, thought bubbles throughout the issue. He's kind of like, I gotta save my wife. But also, I don't, I don't want to just, like, leave someone with a real shit mess to clean up. So. Right. He, so Peter feels really, like, grateful for her saying that. And they basically end the conversation with, like, they're going to have their happily ever after, like, someday soon. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, th- this is good. They have a good, good marriage, even though they're still dealing with, like, the prison. They're dealing with Cain. All this stuff. Like, they're, they still got some good bones. So that, that was nice. Um, after she's gone, the rest of the crew essentially come bursting out of the ground and the fight continues just now in open air, essentially. And then eventually, just after some action panels and stuff like that, the fight ends with our little freakazoid spider killer and Kane getting away in an explosion. Uh, we don't see them at the end of this issue. The Scarlet Spider, um was in the fire of the, like, you know, this whole explosion and Peter drags him out and they're both just very stressed about this like whole situation. And Peter essentially starts lamenting that like, he's got to go back to Rikers and like, he's got to await his trial now. Like he just had this whole crazy complicated fight there's so many unanswered questions and now he has to go back to prison. (laughs) 
And he's like, this is kind of shitty, but like, guess I gotta go do it. And he kind of lets out this little comment of like, it's, it seems like he is like the only one that doesn't really understand that. Like this is like Kane's fault. Like Kane is the one who the murderer is like, and so sometimes he still has moments of like, what's Ben Riley been doing? Like, what's going on here? Um, so he kind of puts out this little like side comment of being like, you could have been the murderer for all I know. Like, what the heck is going on here? And Ben Riley responds to this and he's like, I know I'm innocent of all these crimes. And I know just as much that you are fully innocent as well and that you're going to get out of this and to prove it to you that we're both innocent. He is offering to switch places with Peter Parker. He's like, I will go to prison in your place. You go home to your wife because your wife needs you. She's pregnant. She she needs you more than the prison needs you. So, um, fair point. Yeah, and it's basically like they're like, we'll switch costumes. Like you just take mine, and like I'll take your your jail uniform, and just go take care of your family. And so the issue ends officially with back to Judas and Scryer knowing all along that the two men would switch places. Interesting. Yeah. It's a cool plot twist, but I, I just, I like Ben Riley as Ben Riley. I, I do too. I, I, you and I have talked before just about Ben being the better Spider-Man at this point. He, and just an interesting character. Yeah. I like that he has his own life going on. And I like that Peter has his own life going on. I, But I also think it's interesting and fun. Maybe fun's not the right word. For Ben to, to be there for Peter. Yes. Like, I, I think that the decision that Ben Riley makes is like, is very heroic. It's, you know, it's just very, like, good character decision. Because, like, yeah, like, he is having, he is witnessing a lot of doubts from Peter. Like, a lot of, like, a very mixed opinion from him. And he probably doesn't want to deal with that anymore. And, like, you know, it's a very bold way to prove something, but it does make sense for him. I just don't want it to be this whole thing where it's like, again, Ben Riley versus Peter Parker deciding which one is which. But like... They should take shifts. Yeah, they should. Ben, go- <laughs> ben goes for three days. Peter goes for three yes, days. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm so about that. <laughs> um... But yeah, so that is how the four out of fifth issue goes. Well, I I have some comments from Glenn Greenberg, if you're... Yeah, I uh, mean, a lot happens in this one. It kind of felt like this could have been the end. I finished this issue and I was like, how are the... 
why is how is there possibly a fifth one? Like <laughs> that's actually something that I'm currently thinking. Yeah, um, we'll we'll talk about comments, what happens, but like, please please share fun facts. <laughs> uh, the comments that I have from Glenn Greenberg, uh, again taken from the life of Riley. Uh, the first thing that he comments on is P3PO uh, getting so violent and saying that he would kill anyone that's in his way. Uh, he states that pretty much killed any speculation that Peter number three could be the real yeah. guy. Peter Parker would never condone killing. So from that moment on, Peter 3 was essentially nothing more than another plot point that needed to be wrapped up, which sounds pretty accurate for how most of the characters and plots that were sort of introduced in the last dozen issues are being handled. Well, and that's how it felt. Like, it was just, he was so much less quippy. He was just so aggressive and psychotic that it's like there is literally... I know that, like, in the beginning of this storyline that, like, you know, OG Peter Parker was, like, going through it. But that was more just, like, almost, like, depression boy trying to come out of it as opposed to, like, a literal psycho. Just. Oh, yeah. So it, it felt pretty clear from the beginning that, like, he was just a guy. And now he's just a crazy guy. So. Right. It was a time. Well, and then uh, Greenberg goes on to talk about uh, his death. Uh, Peter, three P3PO's death. Uh, he states, I like the fact that the third Peter Parker went down absolutely convinced that he was the real one, despite all the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Tom DeFalco did a nice job with this issue, injecting Peter three with a real sense of tragedy. He wasn't just a run-of-the-mill, morphing, wisecracking bad guy. Which, it sounds like he kind of was at the end. But, but he wasn't. We'll he go. was. It was really just straight-up deranged. And I think a lot of my negative and, like, tired feelings of the character is because it, it definitely felt like it was just a loose end that was being trimmed off, finally. It doesn't even feel like it was that interesting of a an idea we just had him wander around for a while and then he goes yeah crazy. it didn't become interesting until he was crazy greenberg goes further on to say uh that i guess during this storyline they also they call him freak face uh, too. yes it was freak face um not freakazoid but uh, it's whatever freak face is fine <laughs> freakazoid is a better name i think yeah i agree uh, i guess so during this they call him Freak Face, and apparently uh, that was Tom DeFalco pushing for that to be the character's name. So the idea was that they were going to like have him stick around, and the name for the character would be Freak Face. Uh, and according to Glenn Greenberg, I'm going to mm-hmm. quote again, it certainly was no worse th- uh, than the name that was actually used later on, which I don't know what that is. I, this, is a, this is a blind spot for me, right. so I don't know what that name is. Uh, But he goes on to say, overall, though, my belief was that once Peter 3 was revealed to be just another clone, he should have been disposed of as quickly and as permanently as possible. He'd already served his purpose as a red herring, and there were already too many variations of Peter Parker running around. We never should have seen him again, in my opinion. So I guess that's foreshadowing that he does show back up. (laughs) It's, yeah, I, it's not in this next issue, but it's kind of vague. 
there's a scene that like involves like kind of like oh where is he it's again it's just it feels very much like a loose end i think that's like it being being finished finally and i think that couldn't have said it better so it was a very cool way to like you know trim the loose end because it, it was interesting but again i think that's why i overall i'm not a fan it's because I was just, I was hyper aware of like what it was, I think. So that makes sense. But we are finally going to wrap up uh, Mark of Cain with the Spider-Man Unlimited number nine. And this is called Unholy Alliances. The writers are uh, Tom Lyle. And then the pencilers are Ron Lim, Ron Garney, and Todd Smith. Your inkers are. Get ready for this. Tom Palmer, Randy Emberlin, Tim, Tim Toy. That name is one I don't know. It's T-U-O-H-Y. Al Migram. Okay. Jimmy Palamati, or Palmiotti. So Al Milgram and Jimmy Palmiotti. Yes, Palmiotti. Uh, I do know those Okay, great. Klaus Jansen. Sam De La Rosa and Don yes. Hudson. Colorist is John Calise. And the letterer is Joe Rosen. Editor is Danny Fingeroff. And your girl did it. Full storyline. So all credits. <laughs> that is a shit ton of inkers. That's the most amount of inkers I have seen. <laughs> right. I actually wanted to comment on that. So... That indicates to me, this is one of those things where, like, if you start getting really into comic books and you notice something like that, that means that this was done in a rush. Okay. They had to hand this off to all of those people. Unless it's done for a specific, like, a purpose in the story. Like, you have an inker does a particular time in you know or a penciler does a particular yeah i don't know there were a lot of characters in this issue so i didn't know if it had to do with that i didn't know if it had to do with are we entering a period where like new employment is coming in and old employment is going out like i really was not sure what was going on my guess here is because this is sort of the playbook especially that marvel runs by they were running up on a deadline. They needed this to be put out ASAP. So what you have is you have a, a completed issue by the penciler. They send off two pages to one inker, two pages to another inker, two pages to a third inker, and then they all run through it as fast as possible. And now is the inker just like the black and white, like the black lines? Yeah, so the penciler lays down... Lays down, uh, like, the base. And then the inker does... The inker then goes over it. They add the textures. uh, They add in... Sometimes they'll add in some of the spotted blacks. Sometimes it's just really adding a little bit of extra weight to where a character would be. It gives depth to the Yeah, absolutely. Like, and then um, the colorist is like, it's color time, baby. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Um, so glad that was finally confirmed. Probably should have asked that earlier, but whatever. We learn at our own pace, people. Let me live. Um, so, this is going to open up with 
the Sinister mm. Six. Great start. Yes. Um, it's all the people from Funeral for an Octopus. So you're, you're Mysterio, you're Electro, you're the Hobgoblin, you're Young Vulture. So it's them. Uh, because I guess it never fulfilled to six because Doc Ock is dead and uh, I can't remember who the actual this person was. But um, so it's them. And then it's also Shocker, Beetle, and Scorpia. They are all at a meeting together. All of them. It is a big bundle of bad people. And basically, they are having a meeting to discuss that they all have mutual hatred for Kane because Kane is a threat to all of Spider-Man's villains. As we can see from like Doc Ock being dead, Mysterio being like attempted murder to like, you know, a bunch of villains being attempted death. Uh, Grim the Hunter is like dead because of Kane. And they're like, we got to get rid of Kane before he gets rid of us. So even though we don't like each other, we're going to band together and get rid of this guy and then we can go back to fighting each other. So they have collected data of like Kane's frequent like sightings and like his spots. So they are basically going to dispatch across the city, look around these frequent sighting spots and try and find him and kill him. That's how it opens up. The only one that's like really complaining about this is like young vulture for some reason, but he has like a tiny brawl and then they, they deal with it and they go out on their separate ways. I mean, last time we saw him, he was kind of insane. Young vulture or old vulture? Young vulture. Well, young vulture was the one that wanted to uh, bird poison everyone. That's true. Yes. And then he was also um, in the the funeral for an octopus because that's how he gets like a tracker on him while he fights someone. Oh yeah, yeah. So he was less crazy in that one. Um, what a time! What a journey that this vulture goes through. But so this is all happening, I guess, basically around the time that um the the fight from the last issue is like ending. So at this point. Peter Parker is now on his way home. He's in the Ben Riley suit. He's swinging home. And then as he's doing that, his spidey senses are starting to go off. And he's looking around and he notices the beetle just kind of out and about. And he's like, hmm, this is a weird place for the beetle to be. I should probably stop him because he seems like he's going to do a bad thing. Now the beetle sees... Spider or Scarlet Spider, or at least what he thinks is the Scarlet Spider. And he's like, oh no, I've never fought this guy before. And um, I don't have time for that. So he's like trying to escape who he thinks is Scarlet Spider. And Peter Parker's like, whoa now, and goes after him because he's like, oh, he's fleeing the scene. And essentially, um, the beetle flies through a building literally just to get away from him. (laughs) He's like, I will do anything to flee this person, like fly through a building. Um, And this stops Peter Parker. He has to now like help civilians that could have been hurt through a, a busted building. 
And he eventually, like, he helps all the people and, like, they're all okay. So part of, like, the Scarlet Spider uniform is there's, like, a little backpack. I don't know, like, if you ever really notice it, but it's, like, I there's just a little backpack. I think that might just be something that he carries around, maybe as he quick changes. I guess so. But uh, this backpack gets left behind in this this building. And okay. it has um, the black Spider-Man uh, mask in the it. mask? Right. And none other than Ken Ellis sees that in the backpack is this okay. mask and is like, how did the Scarlet Spider get a hold of this? <laughs> and that's like where that scene essentially ends. I don't think that's such an interesting question. It's a black I, Yeah, like, I, it's like they're almost like, how could one spider person not, like, be connected to another spider person? Yeah, to me, if, I, if there are two superheroes that are very similarly themed, have the same superpowers and operate very close to each other. I'm not saying that they have to know each other, but it would be something that it would definitely cross my yeah, mind. Yeah, like, I just... Now, if it was, like, maybe, like, oh, like, I'm literally trying to think of any Marvel superhero. Like, if Captain America Captain showed America up... Shield. And then just had, <laughs> like, freaking, like the Vision's cape, it would be really weird. <laughs> like, like, these two well, don't even, add up. I mean, but that kind of makes sense because they're on the Avengers together. It would be weirder if it were something like Captain America shows up and he has, like, the a new mutant's costume or something. Like He's got the Wolverine mask. <laughs> Like it's it's such a weird thing to be like these people are so closely associated, yes. but I'm weirded out by that for some reason. Like I don't, I don't. It's Ken Ellis is a bad. Reporter. He is. I don't like just, him. His instincts are to of like action are terrible. Right. I I just don't like him. I think he's really annoying. But it's whatever. He's he's here. I guess to stay. There is a quick check on like how the the Sinister Six plus others are doing, and they haven't found Kane yet, but they're still looking. Now, Peter does get home to Mary Jane. This woman is an absolute mess um, from the past <laughs> couple, a couple hours, I guess, that have gone by. Uh, the gun was, like, left at the house. Like, the, literally, Kane had just knocked it out of her hands, like, last episode. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, essentially, what she is now witnessing is someone dressed as the Scarlet Spider is now in her house. So, she's pulling out this gun again, and she's like, I have had enough of this. Like, everybody leave me alone. <laughs> like, I don't know. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, thankfully, like, Peter does prove that he's the real Peter to her. He basically is like, this is a valid response to how you're feeling. It is me. I am your husband, but I don't want you to be uncomfortable or scared so I can leave if you want me to. And I guess throughout this conversation, she's like, it is you. It's really you. And she's like, 
very relieved and she just she just zonks out she's so exhausted and they just like have a nice moment of like oh my gosh you're here please just be with me in this moment and then she knocks out um because it's been a long it's been a long hot minute for her so yeah i can imagine when you mentioned that it had just been like a few hours of this I actually thought back to, uh, this won't spoil anything right. for you. It's a very offhand comment. I'm, I'm about to talk about Scream. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At one point in Scream 6, they they make a reference to the fact that the events of Scream 5 take place over three days. And I had, hadn't really thought of that until they made a reference in Scream 6. And I was like, damn, a lot happened in those three days. Right. Yeah. Horror movies really know how to pack things in in short amounts of time. It's impressive. Yeah, and I guess when comics decide to go a little bit horror, it's the same sort of thing. Just the fact that all of this happened in a very brief period to Mary Jane. It is understandable she is, that she is acting the way that she is she acting. She is a tough cookie. I'm like, she's so impressive. I'm like, good for you, lady. You're killing it. But not killing anybody because she's a good person. Anyway, um, we're gonna go back to Rikers now for the first time in this issue. And Ben makes a phone call to the Parker House to check on them. Uh he just because he cares. He's like He's, he's a like, sweetheart. I love He's I love so ben. good. Like we love Ben. We're Ben fans here. Now Another thing happens at the prison. He gets a visitor. And it's uh, it's Felicia Day. Now, they just refer to her as, is it Felicia or is it Felicia? I think it's Felicia. Would it be, is it Hardy? Maybe Day is the name. So Felicia, Felicia Hardy is the black okay. cat. It is the black cat, but. It, they just say that she's Felicia Day. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was a name she was going Maybe. by at the time. I don't really know, um, to be honest. So <laughs> I really empathized with Ben in this moment because he has this visitor. She's speaking kind of crypt- cryptically, just being like, how are you? Whatever. Like, I know you didn't do it or something. And he's like, yeah, I didn't. So wait, I don't. So he, I don't, I'm assuming, I guess I, I'm not super up on my Spider-Man lore. I don't know if he would know. Well, so Felicia. So she leaves this experience being like, "Wow, that's really odd." Like Peter was acting like he didn't know me or the black cat at all. So in this, Peter Parker knows who Felicia Day is, and he knows that she is the black cat. But Ben very clearly does not know this woman, and. Also definitely doesn't know that she's like the black cat. That's also my one of my favorite periods of Spider-Man comics is in in the mid 80s. And that would be around the time that Peter was hanging out with Felicia and they were kind of dating. Uh, Okay, it's an they had a weird relationship. Yeah, it was kind of. Confusing for me as well as Ben Riley, because like I know who the 
I know who the black cat is. I know it's like that is a villain in Spider-Man. Or sometimes I guess kind of like an anti-hero almost. Yeah. She yeah. She it's kind of like with Catwoman. That's what I was it's exactly similar... thinking of. It seems like kind of the Catwoman for Marvel. Right. So um it was kind of a weird interaction because you know, she thinks she's talking to Peter, but she's not. And Ben has no idea who this woman is and why she's visiting. I, I well, I can tell you that I still I don't really know am, why she would visit. Like, I just didn't picture them to be like close. She, she and Peter do care about each other quite a lot. Okay. I, and they spend a lot of time together. Uh, at least in the 80s. And one of the things, well, one of the things I was going to say is that I genuinely am more interested in where this story is going with the fact that Felicia is now involved. I really like her. I think she's like, (laughs) I mean, more power to having female characters. It does make it, you know, for me, like, oh, okay, there's a lady here. That's fun. Um, Just because I feel like for a long time part of me not getting into comics was because I couldn't think of a lot of like female characters aside from like Catwoman and like Poison right. Ivy. Yeah, yeah. And so like it's always cool to see women in comics like doing things for the plot other than being like a victim or something. So I like I hope she continues to be like cool and helpful or Or something. I don't know. So yeah, weird interaction. Um, We're going to go back to the villain squad now. And they are still searching. Hobgoblin, who has kind of been like the leader of this mission, essentially. He initiated it. He organized it. Everything. Um, He's like about to give up because it's been... (laughs) He's like, it's been hours and we haven't found him. And it's like, dude, he's a supervillain. Like, do you think it takes like an hour to find you in New York City? I th- yeah, I was going to say, it's also New York fucking I think city. his goals like- were a bit, uh, <laughs> I think he pushed himself too hard. He gave himself too high of expectations. That's what I was looking to say. Um, but he's about to give up, but then he's literally ambushed by Kane. But the way Kane enters is so dumb. He enters wearing a Spider-Man costume. And like <laughs> <laughs> I I'm trying to picture so this. It's like a giant <laughs> Spider-Man. Like not like punches or like throws hobgoblin. Yeah. Is his hair hanging out? <laughs> I, oh, I I got to look at it. I don't re- I don't think so. Um okay. And then like hobgoblin's like Spider-Man, and then he just rips everything off, and he's like, oh, it's Kane. It's kind of, to me, the equivalent of, like, a platypus. <laughs> Very the platypus. That's, a, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, it's basically... Very the platypus. It's essentially that. Um, just a side note, there was, when I was, I was, it was the summer before I was going into my freshman year of college, and I would take care of a bunch of, like, um, we had an international program at the camp I worked at and I made friends with like a lot of the mm-hmm. internationals that worked that year. 
Um, lovely people. Love them all. Hope they're all doing great. There was one guy that <laughs> that we were friends with who did an amazing Doofenshmirtz impersonation. And, like, I don't talk to them a ton, like, in the most recent years. Yeah. But, like, man, the urge I have right now to be like, can you please send me this sound bite? <laughs> Just for myself. Um, it's really strong right now. I hope they're doing well. Uh, great Doofenshmirtz impersonation. One of the best I've ever heard. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that's the that's Kane's version of a sneak attack. And it's, it's so it was funny. pretty goofy. I'm not going to lie. Um, the Hobgoblin and it, like immediately fires back with... Um, they have guns. They they all brought guns this time. Usually they a lot of That's smarter than what they normally yeah, do. <laughs> he fires off the gun, which is like quite loud. Um and it catches the ears of Peter Parker. He's like, What's that gun sound? I should go figure it out. And so he has left his wife nervous at home alone as he goes to investigate the gun and his logistics behind that are. There's danger out there. I got to protect my wife who's in here. So there you go. I mean, it makes some it sense. It makes some sense. It it's is like, like still the Spider-Man thing to do. He's like, oh no, there's trouble afoot. I got to go stop it. And this poor woman's just traumatized still. So that's probably going to be a thing for a while. You just made me wonder if, the, if at any point have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ever said there's trouble afoot. Is it because they don't have to do <laughs> They have no, like okay. weird. It's they. It's because I was wondering if you knew anything about this. The bad guys in the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles lore are the Foot Clan. They are like a ninjas, a ninja assassins called the Foot. Oh, I so did be, not know there's that. There's trouble. Oh man, I'm really sad. I didn't get your joke before. <laughs> and it's also the uh, so they are a parody of. The ninja clan from Daredevil called the Hand. That's why they're called. The oh, oh my gosh! It's a joke on a joke. Yeah the 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics are they started entirely as a joke, right? And then it just I mean they were a dark joke, but they were. But then it became a. It real was fun. Thing. Ironic right. to not ironic. I live. But yeah, afoot. What a time. Uh, you know who else heard the gunshot? Literally all of the other villains from the squad that uh, were in the meeting from before. So this is about to get pretty messy. Because essentially, Spider-Man, who is dressed as Scarlet Spider, is about to enter just a full-on villain battlefield where people just want to murder the other side. And and this time they have guns. And this time they have guns. This, <laughs> I, I would be a terrible superhero. I'm going to preface it with this. <laughs> because to me, I'm so tired of Kane that I was really rooting for the villains. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes, just get rid of him. <laughs> Go for it. Like, why would you stop them? <laughs> but, Spider-Man right. is very clearly better than than fictional superhero Corinne. Um, because he's like, no one can die 
So he's literally going to be entering a fight where he's stopping everybody from murdering each other, but he's also trying to incapacitate everyone. So that is actually one of those things I like about superhero I, comics. I like it too when, because it when that's because it thing. makes it more complicated. And in yes. terms of like how you're going to solve the plot, which is really cool. It makes like the character like have to be smart in order to like solve the problem. But I think for the sake of me not liking a character, I'm like, just write it off. Write it off. <laughs> it is commendable. But uh, it, it definitely makes it a challenge for him. At another scene, we're going to go to Stunner and Detective Raven. And we talked a little bit about Stunner in part one on how, like, she is a well-developed yeah. character. It's cool that she's, like, a part of this. I couldn't agree more. Um, because this scene, though it was small, like, very important stuff happens. Essentially, Stunner mm-hmm. takes Detective Raven to interrogate some mob members to get the scoop on, like, who is Kane and, like, where when did he, like, come into town? And I really liked this scene. I think this was probably my favorite moment from the whole comic because it brought back the, remember the mob people in the very first thing I ever read for this? And I was like, I feel like we're never going to see them again. Or like, they're just like hanging around. They're finally back. (laughs) And they're getting beat up by Stunner. Until they spill the beans as to when Kane arrived. And it's like, oh my gosh, not only did they come back as I hoped they would, but they also were useful for the characters. That's so interesting. I was very happy about it. Wow. So I like when they do it, like they dig those things back up. That's I felt such a wave of like satisfaction (laughs) that like this happened. I was really, really happy because so now basically in a very effective way, Stunner and Detective Raven have good information getting them closer to maybe catching Kane, which is great. Basically, um, it then jumps back to like the big fight where uh, Spider-Man dressed as Scarlet Spider is fighting still and you know Kane is ducking in and out when he can it's a time now Mary Jane gets a call from Dr. Seward we're changing it up again it's it kind of gets a little jumpy towards the end in terms of scenage but Mary Jane gets called from Dr. Trainer if she can come into the lab to discuss some of her test results dun 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 oh, yeah boy. She's like, well, this can't be, like, good because you want to talk to me in person about this. You know, it's not just like, hey, I just want to tell you everything's fine. You know, it's a fun time when a doctor calls you and is like, hey, I want to talk to you about something vague. Sounds great. (laughs) Maybe you should sit down. You should sit down. (laughs) So she heads out uh, alone again, walking to the lab. And she's just, again, feeling very sad. She's very alone. She's tired. She just needs, like, some support. Uh, 
we aren't told, again, we aren't told what the findings are, but it seems like it's gonna be bad news, as we kind of discussed. You'll want to sit down for this. We're going back again to the fight. Still, Spider-Man slash Dressed as Scarlet Spider trying to, you know, stop everybody from killing each other. It's very difficult. Kane and Spider-Man slowly, you know, for their own reasons, are bringing down the members of the Sinister Six, seven bajillion people that are here in this scene. Um, And it eventually gets worked down to, like, two to, like, four members. There's one point where, like, Mysterio pretends that he is Kane and, like, uses it as, like, a sneak attack on Spider-Man, but it doesn't last that long. And yeah, it's just it's just a big messy fight. It's a time, but eventually like the big herd of bad guys gets whittled down. So now we're going to go to the crime scene of the last issue where we think that P3PO died. And it's the reason we think that is because there's just a bunch of goop. There's like, you know when they like degenerate the clones? Yeah, and they they kind of they become like dust. They get goopy. Or, or, like I've always a, seen goop. Yeah. Um, goop, goop, goop. That's what, that's the word I've chosen. <laughs> um, but Scryer is at the scene and he picks up some of this goop and he takes it with him for later use. That use, we do not know what it is. New, the la- this is, this is such a weird way to end this thing because it's literally just a couple of like, fast and short scenes of like a bunch of different stuff. So we've got the crime scene with the goop. Scryer takes it. The next thing is news breaks out of uh, the Scarlet Spider backpack. And it's like how there was like the black oh, mask yeah. in it. I, see, I had already forgotten Literally, about this. Literally so much happens in this last issue. And it's like, I understand that like you're obviously continuing the storyline, but sometimes I just, I can't, stand like when a season finale has so many things like sometimes i just need one ending merging into a beginning or like yeah one turning into two new things i don't need like four different things showing up it's really confusing um and it's just overwhelming but so felicia has, like, the TV on as this news comes up with, like, the whole Scarlet Spider backpack and the mask. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't think I was talking to Peter. I think I was talking to Ben. I don't know how she knows who Ben is. Yeah. Did we miss something? I feel like they missed telling us something. I don't Hmm. know. But it ends, the whole issue ends with Mary Jane knocking on Felicia's door, basically being like, I know we're not friends, like, we don't particularly get along, but, like, I need someone to talk to because I just got some bad news. And I need someone to talk to. So, and that's, like, abruptly how it ends. There you go. (laughs) That's, That's how it ends? Wow. What a weird, uh, like, final chapter. Which gave me, it's really bizarre. Again, it's like, 
slowly ending one thing, just just ending the P three PO, and then going into four different things. Still a giant fight. The villains are working together to try and kill Kane. Detective Raven is still working. News about the Scarlet Spider and the Black Mask. Like, Scryer with Goop. Black Cat. So that's six different things, actually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, the idea of having all of these things uh, sort of happening in one comic book. I mean, we're... We're not crazy far into the Clone Saga, but we're pretty far into the Clone Saga now. I think we've sort of gotten the idea of this is the way that they're approaching stories. Uh, So, I mean, I guess it makes sense in that regard. Uh, It just is not, it doesn't make sense from a fun to read. It makes it very (laughs) like, it makes it a slog to read. And it's just because like, I don't know. I looked at this and I was like, okay, this is going to be five issues. All right. Some of them will probably be long. Some of them will be short. Like, that's fine. But then as, like, they were, by issue three, had essentially, like, peaked with P3PO, I was like, he's about to go. Like, he's either going to go at the end of this issue or he's going to go in the beginning of, like, the fourth issue. And... And then what does that leave us with, like, an issue and a half of things? Like, I feel like they're just going to throw things at me. And and they did. It seems like they just threw things at you. And, I, I mean, I do have some information here, actually, from uh, Life of Riley uh, Glenn Greenberg about Spider-Man Unlimited and its role in the comics at okay. this time. So that might have some... It might give some sort of uh, information on why right. that is. So he goes, he says, Tom Lyle, uh, who was the writer for this, was promised the opportunity to write when he came over to Marvel to draw Spider Man. Mm-hmm. To fulfill that promise, Spider Man group editor Danny Fingeroth gave Lyle the Spider Man Unlimited title as a regular writing assignment. For those of you who don't remember, Spider-Man Unlimited was a double-sized comic that was published quarterly, sort of like an annual that's published every three months. I could certainly relate to Tom Lyle's desire to write, and he was very enthusiastic about being a part of the creative process. But to be honest, he really wasn't ready for such a big writing assignment, certainly not in the middle of the Clone Saga, during which every chapter needed to be a winner. Mm. And in that regard, even experienced season writers occasionally stumbled. But Danny felt he had an obligation to Tom Lyle and wanted to keep his promise, which is certainly very admirable. When Bob Budiansky became editor-in-chief of the Spider-Man group, Danny was still in place as group editor, and Bob didn't want to upset the apple cart too much at the beginning, nor did Bob want to undermine Danny's authority as group editor. Despite his own doubts about Tom Lyle's writing, Bob chose not to overturn Danny's decision. Again, this was admirable. Creatively, however, this would prove to be not the best move. So it seems that they kind of, my guess here is they had certain plot points they wanted to use. And all they knew was we have to have Spider-Man Unlimited 
be part of this because we it's coming out and we have to sell yeah. it. And they Tom going in probably didn't have a whole lot that he wanted to or it d- didn't have a whole lot to add to the Mark of Cain story. So it became an afterthought. And Tom seems to be, again, this is conjecture, probably threw in everything he could that he was interested in writing about into this one yeah. story. And it seems like maybe that was a bad And idea. it's a shame because it's like... Yes, you wrote the almost like the the what if statement of the thing you wanted to write for. But it seems like you're not even right. getting the chance to actually write it out because now it's going to be delivered through three other comics. You know? Yeah. It, it's it's this whole thing from a structural standpoint is a little bit of a mess. I mean, we can go back and, and and rewrite history and say, here's how it should be done. But what we're given uh, is an at least an interesting, like the story might not be super interesting, but the behind the scenes aspect of like how this got put together, I think is very interesting. Yeah, I mean like, and though it's not like my the best thing that's ever been creative. It is still like impressive that it's like it seems like the clone saga is just one big like insane puzzle that like 20 people had to put together. And yes. that that like they did accurate. it. They did a thing and it's very impressive that it happened. It's got duct tape all around it, but it's Yeah. Together. Um So, like, I give it that. It's just, and I think, like, all of these individual plot points can be really interesting. Again, it's just, like, it's so much going on. And it kind of feels almost like, to me, (laughs) did you ever watch Supernatural? I forget. Have we talked about Supernatural before? Yeah, I watched up to, like, season 10 of that show. And I stopped at season 10 because, to me the pattern was always the same of Mm -hmm. one of the brothers does something and doesn't communicate it because they're worried and, or they think that they're fine and shit hits the fan and then they fix it and they're like, we're brothers. And it just kept happening and happening and happening. And I feel like the pattern of like, okay, we're resolving one thing and now we're throwing five things at you is just like the pattern of clone saga and like it's it is you get tired of it kind of fast because yes and i yeah i i think that uh it's evident in the i'm i don't know if we talked about this on the show or not but you and i moving outside of Spider-Man have decided to go in very different directions with what we are taking in uh, media-wise. Definitely, like, again, I'm a huge X-Men fan. I don't want to read any X-Men right now because this is exhausting to me, and I just don't want to look at at a superhero comic book right now. (laughs) Yeah, like, I... Well, 
I told you I finished book one of Hellblazer because I was like, okay, it's spooky. It's that like 80s punk monster kind of look and it's dark and there is a overall some kind of resolution and it's one main thing happening with like kind of monster of the week things happening and it makes sense and I was like, this is good. And then immediately after that, I went to reading like another like dark thriller like book. And now I'm reading (laughs) outside of Spider-Man. I'm reading like a 90s like fantasy like Lord of the Rings style kind of book. I'm just like anything but men in spandex. The whole thing is just so weird. I mean, you need I'm an not, after I'm dinner. I'm not mat. hating it. Uh, an, af- an after yeah. dinner mat, an after dinner mint. <laughs> after you read an excessive uh, amount of Clone Saga. Yeah. Again, I'm not no. hating it. It's just exhausting. yeah, and it's like <laughs> I I look very fondly back on um, some of the beginning issues. I really liked those stories. Like as I think about them, like in hindsight, um, and I still really like the 400th issue. Um, so, and like bird poison was funny. Um, (laughs) so like there are, there are fond memories I have of the clone saga. And I mean, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, even in this, like, though I, the main reason I didn't like parts of this issue or this storyline is because I just was hyper aware of how I saw it as a, a writing device like yeah you know p3po going insane is again like i i thought the jekyll hyde thing was kind of was interesting because i just think that that story in general is interesting like i like a good classic literature spookiness i love that um so i thought it was like a cool homage i respect it and I thought it was like a fun, a funky way to go. Um, and if I just was less aware that it was clearly like a loose end, I would have liked it more. But I was just too aware because I have to be aware because I do this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. well, before before we wrap all this up, I have one last comment from Glenn Greenberg, um, which is, I. It, just just glancing over it, I think he agrees with what some of what we have right. already said. So he starts by saying, all the identity switching, multiple versions of costumes, it was reaching fairly ludicrous proportions. As mentioned earlier, this was an ultra-confusing storyline, but there was at least some forward momentum. The trouble with Mary Jane's pregnancy was obviously the most compelling subplot bringing in the black cat and having her interact with Ben, who was pretending to be Peter, was a nice idea. And we saw more of Scryer's mysterious solo activities. But considering the fact that the story was called The Mark of Cain, we really didn't learn all that much about him. We learned nothing about Cain except for the fact that he thinks that Mary Jane is pretty and that he vaguely mentioned that he wants what Peter has. Like that is literally all that we yeah. learned about him. There was he left no mark. He he left less of a mark <laughs> than he did on Detective Raven's face. If anything, he took away marks from the story. Like 
I, I no, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that we're, oh boy, I can't wait till we get to the origin of that character just so that there's something to talk about. It's just, he's, it's so frustrating having this far in such an irrelevant character be forced into importance. Yes. Well, <laughs> with that, I guess you can find more information at comicallypedantic.com. You can also follow us on Instagram by searching at pedanticcast. New episodes come out most Sundays on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at comicallypedantic.com. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them in text or audio recording to comicallypedantic at gmail.com. Please indicate if you'd like your name or question read on the air. And don't forget, we still own fuckcomicsgate.com if you'd like to send a donation to the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. We will be back soon with another deep dive into the world of comics, but until then, you can find more exciting adventures at your local comic shop. Hello and welcome to <laughs> Comically Pedantic, where we talk about all of the the things that have to do with all of the complicated concepts. Hello and welcome to Comically Pedantic, where we talk about the complicated concepts of comics and comic book culture. Is that what it is? It's so many C's. I'm aware of that. It's like the most insane alliteration. <laughs> it's complicated concepts, characters, and history of comic books. Fuck, culture. okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, I can't see now because I made myself giggle too much and then my eyes got watery. I hit the button, but it didn't play. I <laughs> oh, well. I, can, I mean, I'm adding it in. in post, okay. Anyway. I love you. <laughs> Capital L. Yeah. And I love Derek. I italicize. <laughs> I italicize. <laughs> I might keep that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry that this is going to be a pain to edit.